Hi, I'm Jason Marcos. And I'm Barry Hamaguchi. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Singer Jasmine Sullivan shot to commercial and critical success when she burst on the scene in 2008, busting windows and taking on lions and tigers and bears. 12 years, three albums, 11 Grammy nominations, and two hiatuses later, she's still not getting her flowers. Today, we'll get into why she already deserves to be one of the greats and why I think the best may be yet to come. God, your intros are... You're like... You write like hype man intros. (laughs) What do you mean? Yours are all like accolades, accolades, accolades. Mine are just like sad trombone. <laughs> this is very my personality. But I and I think this this plays into why I want to talk about her. Like you look at these things and you're like, why does no one? I mean, not no one talks about her, but like, why isn't she a bigger deal, generally speaking, than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than than she is? So, I mean, I think that's the approach to the whole podcast. I just think that <laughs> the people we choose. I mean, I think it's that thing of where I think when I'm telling a story, we always get to the end and you have this moment of asking me like, so do you actually like this? And I think it's funny because <laughs> I mean, it's very much me in my normal life that I have a, a little bit of a monotone problem, like a lack of enthusiasm problem <laughs> and that people always mistake for negativity or like pessimism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, know I, I feel mean. like I feel like a lot of people in our friend group have maybe pointed this out to me. It gets pointed out to me often at work that you, that, that like, you sound negative. Will, not that I sound negative, but I, I I I fear being grouped with like truly negative-minded people. I think that I'm just unenthusiastic in general, very blunted, and I I often enter rooms with a lack of. Um, oxygen in my brain so i often take a deep breath that is mistaken for a sigh (laughs) are you just like holding your breath all day like no like you know sometimes you go into a meeting and you just feel like okay i need to be prepared for this meeting Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take a deep breath and i often go into meetings i sit down and i go (sighs) (laughs) and someone will go like are you okay (laughs) I, love it. I was like, yeah, like my brain just felt like it needed a little more oxygen. <laughs> so I wanted to give it that. Like <laughs> no implications to me needing oxygen. No implications at all. to the fact that I'm like <laughs> oxygen deprived in this job. I'm so busy yeah. I can't even breathe. Yeah. But anyway, I'm 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 envious of your uh the zeal that you bring to those intros because your your true passion for these artists I just, shines through. I'm just like, look, we got I have 10 seconds to convince people not to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I go for the dirt. I'm just like, people want dirt. Although, I, I mean, I was listening back to the Britney Spears episode that I was trying to like hype up Britney. And I really, I really wasn't. <laughs> I listened back to that. I was like, oh, oh, gosh, like the, the hashtag free Britney it, army is going <laughs> to, you know, burn me in effigy. <laughs> That'd be funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, which photo do you think they'd use? Hey, if it gets us more streams, you know. Right? I mean, infamy. (laughs) It's an episode that will live in infamy. Anyway. Anyway. um, Speaking of Mm. Britney Spears, Mm. new single. Yes. Swimming in the Stars. So uh, in the script here, you put a question mark. Oh, is that a oh, question mark as to whether or not we'll actually talk about this? <laughs> but also I put oh. I put new in quotation marks. Oh, 
okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. I think that's what I was vibing with, like the idea that Britney Spears is making new music right well, now. Well, apparently that vocal was recorded in 2016. Okay, so well, it's been released. That cover now. photo is looks to be from the photo shoot for the album Glory, which I think, I think that album came out in 2016. Okay, Glory. Oh yeah, the that's right. Make, yeah, like everything that she's released since Glory in 2016 looks to have been pulled from that time, including photos. It's all, yeah, it's all of that same. Well, because I was so going to say, think it she's actually really done look anything. Like her. It doesn't really. I mean, like what? I mean, because I see her on on social right now, and I'm like, well, yeah, this is a different. Well, room. I mean, obviously you know, it's different, but I think it was was it 2013. There was an album cycle where she took a big break and she came back looking very refreshed. Mm. Like she had perhaps had like, you know how RuPaul on her podcast, his podcast, yeah, his, his podcast, one. I guess it depends on no people call him. I, I think RuPaul is like very, uh, pronoun agnostic. Yeah. Cause I think yeah. RuPaul responds. I think a lot of people say RuPaul as like she, uh-huh. cause we're used to seeing RuPaul and drag. Uh huh. Anyway, on on the on the podcast, on the RuPaul podcast, which I don't think they're making anymore. I don't know. They're taking a break. Um, what was I even talking about? Oh, <laughs> RuPaul, always a proponent of getting your first facelift, I think at 35. Yeah, a mid-lift. Yeah, because if you start to do it gradually over time, you just look well-rested every single time. Versus if you wait until there's a visible droop to your face and then you try to snatch it. Mm-hmm. Like people clock it, mm-hmm. you know, but otherwise, like if you're in your mid thirties, maybe there's a barely perceptible difference that maybe only, you know, because maybe you look at your face too closely in the mirror day and night. Um, you know, you can have a doctor just like lift everything by like a millimeter. I think that like, yeah, if you've got the financial resources to, to, to do that, it's probably the way to go. But anyway, my point being that there was a point, I think it was either right before Britney Jean or right before glory that in person, Britney was looking very refreshed. Yeah, I can. I and, can and, see that, yeah. and I think that she, she almost looked like a younger version of herself, but she also stopped looking like herself in a, in a, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Conspiracy theory, allegedly. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. Cause I've been thinking about that too. And I'm like, Oh, does that mean I've missed my window? But um okay. I don't know. Oh, I'm 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 fully careening into no longer viably like um retaining my youth full youthful appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 40 is wild. Um god, I, I, I'm I'm not paying attention to the time, but um you know <laughs> cuz I was thinking about this today because um I, I talked to you about, I, I signed up for a Peloton subscription. Mm-hmm. we got a treadmill here at the house because it's beginning dark so early that I stopped running. So I was like, okay, like I'll get a treadmill. I signed up for Peloton because I actually missed going to studio classes for fitness. Mm-hmm. And which um, I, you know, I it was that, the last thing that I did with you before the shutdown. I took a fitness oh, yeah, yeah, class. Yeah, we went to cycle bar. Yeah. I, I don't think cycle bar is open anymore. I mean, I think that they're probably permanently closed. I would think so. Anyway. Um, I was uh, thinking today about how in my 20s, it was so easy for me to just like run three miles 
right? Mm-hmm. And then any kind of weight gain or just squishiness that it accumulated would just fall away, fall away. Yeah, It would just shake itself off, like water off a duck's back, you know? And then uh, 30, my 30s, it's like, oh, it gets harder. Mm-hmm. And then 40s has been even harder. Um, 40s also, no one ever tells you about the things that happen to you. I guess they do. They always warn you and you don't believe them. Believe your elders, people, when they tell you that aging is weird. It's very um, strange. Yeah, like I never, I never thought I would be someone with ear hair. What? Oh, I mean, sorry. No shame. I don't know. Forties, forties. Go, go. Do you have the trimmer? Um, it's it's one of those things where I can go in with a buzz clipper. It's like it's just up on the edge. Uh, uh, Oh, on the edges. No, no, no. Like sticking out of my ear hole (laughs) from the edge, and I'll catch sight of it, and I'll realize, oh my gosh, people from behind can probably see all the hair is coming out of my ears. I I have to keep an eye on that. That's been new for my forties. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, well, it's, I want to say it's because, you know, in your forties, you've started this podcast and, you know, it's basically you're sprouting antenna to pick up on new flops. Okay. To redeem. That's good. Then why are my eyebrow hairs also going very Martin Scorsese? You're just, you're just super attuned to flops. No one tells you they're picking them up signals from the universe. Yeah. Um, anyway, aging is hard. Uh, Britney Spears is aging. Britney Spears released a new single there. We're back. We're back to the beginning. (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's right. She's Um, aging too, but her songs are not this. I like, I liked this song. I really, really liked this song. Yeah. Who was I? I was, I I didn't, I didn't mind it. I mean, it was, it's a, uh, I was, what did I say? Um, Autotune is doing quite the lift on the pre-chorus there when she, she holds one of the, one of the words mm. and it's, it's, you know, obviously distorted and it's fine. I think that's part yeah. of the style, but I, you know, um, I think she's, she is singing a little bit more in her natural voice. I think we talked about how, you know, previously she might've been doing more of the baby voice. Uh, you know, as part of just like that was part of her image and, mm-hmm. you know, not singing in like the kind of voice that we'd heard her singing in before she got super famous. Um, I feel like there's a little bit more of that now in the song. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it has that. I mean, when we were talking about Britney Spears, I had commented on a lot of my favorite Britney tunes being her like trip hoppy, like very ethereal pop mm-hmm, songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that this falls in line with that. Yeah that strain of songs like if i if i if i take britney spears out of this song i think this is a very cool song you know yeah it's one of those it's one of those tracks that you could easily imagine it being someone that has maybe like more hipster cachet to them yes uh huh it's not necessarily like a mainstream pop song it's not ethereal. It's, it's just it's just it just it just do you think soothing do you makes me feel like i'm swimming in the stars which by the way is the name of the song do you think that it because of all the things that you just described about the way it sounds is it sort of timeless i mean given the fact that it was created in 2016 does it sound dated or does it still sound current in 2020 i mean i'm an old folk now so i feel like time is largely slowed down when it comes to like the evolution of my aesthetics mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So in that regard, maybe I'm not the best judge. I don't think that I ever would have heard any of these types of Britney songs as pop hits. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the other ones that I really, really like, um, you know, I mentioned them previously. It's like Out From Under, Unusual You, Don't Hang Up. Like those songs, I still love them now. I don't think that those were ever going to be pop singles Mm. or pop hits. Yeah. Because they are like outside of maybe what pop listeners have ever wanted. And I think, okay, what I think actually though is that by not ever being on trend per se as a pop song that makes them more timeless i think the more on trend you are with something in the moment the quicker it expires the in the pop sounds. world yeah yeah that it's makes like sense in the pop world you, you you have to be like of the moment at the time it happens and then you have to get off of it as soon as it expires right like i think we talked a little bit about that when we talked about christina aguilera how like she wasn't necessarily hitting things at the right moments mm-hmm. You know, whether it was too soon or mm-hmm. too late, mm-hmm. it's like all these pop trends are very cyclical mm-hmm. and like kind of have to catch the wave. Yeah. Or just be sure completely you're... outside of it and just kind of do your own thing. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, listen to the new Britney Spears song. It's 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 excellent. Also, I mean, I heard um, also posted today. I don't know if it was leaked or if it was like officially released. I just saw it come up for me this morning. Mm-hmm. There's like a Britney Spears featuring Backstreet Boys demo. Hmm. That came out today. It's on the blogospheres. Okay. I'll take is that Harper or Izzy? Hi, Harper that was or Izzy. Izzy. Okay. She's trying to climb up the curtains. Oh, good. No. Hey. Sorry. We really do need like a... We, we, we need to get on the video one of these days and, and post an Instagram video of your cat. I know. We could post Instagram videos of your cats if you want. I to. know. Especially when she's like walking around behind the microphone, waving her butt in my face. And I'm like, I'm just trying to talk about Linda Ronstadt. Or whoever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a Britney Spears featuring Backstreet Boys clip called Matches that came out today. I listened to it. Not as good as uh, the swimming pool song. Swimming song. <laughs> swimming in the stars. <laughs> I was like swimming pools. That's another Isn't hipster there, like, band. A song called Swimming Pools. I think anyway, so. this band probably. Okay. Um, 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 um. All right. Well. Oh well. Okay. We can talk about the other ones later. Other later. I mean, hey. Uh, d- yeah, we can talk about that later. Well, can we? <laughs> what? Mariah Carey. Well, I don't have Apple TV, so I can't talk about oh. Mariah Carey's Christmas, Christmas special. I can talk about the Oh Santa featuring Ariana Grande and um, Jennifer Hudson and video that came out. I mean, I had always thought that Mariah Carey had a certain amount of disdain for Ariana Grande mm-hmm. because I think on... Well, on Andy Cohen, she said she doesn't know Ariana Grande. Like, Andy Cohen did the whole, like, does she know her game with Mariah Carey? And Mariah Carey, would just, they would just go through a bunch of celebrities. Like, do you know her? Do you know her? And she, she would say, like, no, I don't know her. Like, mm-hmm. I've never, I've, mm-hmm. I know her music. I, I've never seen her. I think that's what the thing, the misunderstanding about Mariah Carey's whole, like, I don't know her thing is that she defends herself by saying that, like, when she says she doesn't know her, it's like, she might be familiar with her. She might know her music. She might know her celebrity persona but she doesn't want to comment on someone who she doesn't know personally that's what she says anyway well, yeah of course she which is that. i think is understandable yeah. like if you, you don't want to make some kind of like you know surface judgment on someone if you haven't actually met them in person but it always seemed like there always seemed to be a little bit of disdain on her part because of the 
narrative that Ariana Grande was like coming for Mariah. Yeah. Which like, vocally. I mean, you can kind of see. And, you know, Mariah's being Mariah and just. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I was actually. Yeah. I was. I was. Um, I was surprised that she was on the track. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, that's a remake, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a. Um, she, Mariah had dropped that on she Merry dropped Christmas that. to you. Yeah. 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 That okay. was that was what made up, I think, the lion's share of the songs on here on, on the special. It was okay. like. Because, because when that was released, she had re-recorded even some of the songs from the previous album. I think just, well, it was kind of confusing at the time. But also, she sings them differently now. <laughs> mm, They're mm-hmm. easier to achieve in some ways. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it, what did you think of that trio? I understand the Ariana Grande to some extent. I do not understand Jennifer Hudson. And Jennifer Hudson looked like she didn't know the words half the time when she was in the back. And it was unclear if they were even in the same studio until the end when they touched each other. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. You picked up on yeah, that. Yeah. I, I I wasn't sure. I thought, okay, they all must be on the same platform. But I was like, these elves don't look like they're in the same room with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that might have been true. But some of the angles, because some of the angles seem like they must have been in the same room together. But then... But sometimes I was like, they look green screened against. Yeah. But it's possible, actually, now that I'm thinking this through, it's possible that they were green, all green screened onto whatever that backdrop mm-hmm. is behind them. Mm-hmm. Because they, yeah, it looked a little, looked uh, so, a little crunchy. So it said it was shot at the convention center. Um, okay. The credits said it was shot at the convention center. So I know there was like, it was at least a big space, but there was a lot of green, obviously a lot of green screen involved. Um, Adam and I watched it last night and he's, famously not a huge Mariah Carey fan okay. and um he did enjoy when we saw her in Vegas but um <laughs> I, I think he, he he was he was very uh preoccupied with all of the quality control changes he would have made um mm. to the production um to make it fascinating higher quality what goes on in his mind and I was like it's Mariah Carey it's fine it's supposed to be tacky (laughs) well the funny thing um when i i mean i I only saw that osanta video Mm -hmm. and you know all of the comparisons of ariana grande against mariah carey hearing them sing side by side i was like oh ariana grande is kind of a mess they're really yeah like you could i was like i couldn't understand her but that was one thing adam said too he was like uh if i were them i would be really upset at the mix because it didn't do either of them any favors. Um, I'm meaning Jennifer Hudson and Ariana. I mean, Ariana yeah. sounded especially uh, mumbly. Yeah, I was like, I know she, I know that's her thing, mm-hmm. but I, I can usually at least pick out like the first word yeah, of a sentence yeah. or like the the articles, maybe a preposition here or <laughs> there, you know. But this one, literally, I was like. What, what what are the lyrics here at all? I, I don't know. even know what she's saying. I know, and I guess although they did have a good, they had at the very end, they had a good like uh, harmonized whistle t- whistle register yeah. moment, which I thought was cute. That's cute. Yeah, that saved it. Anyway, <laughs> I was also just laughing at Mariah's um, outfit, oh, like okay. her breasts. I mean, it was in every in <laughs> well, every all, all of them were like it was like uh, it was like Christmas Moulin Rouge. Yeah. The way that they were squeezed into those all of them, and stuff. yes, all of them. But but like especially Mariah, obviously. But throughout the whole show, I was just like, "How is that possible?" 
it was like a, a testament to like um holiday abundance you know <laughs> a cornucopia <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, anyway um <laughs> it was fun it was fine i don't even know if this episode is going to post before christmas but that's our thoughts on mariah's christmas special <laughs> the last thing here is sam smith apparently has a new album i had no idea he does so I, okay, remember we talked about we talked about how they were going to yes, release they. an album mm-hmm. um and they finally did i believe okay in October or November. And uh, it's it's got a few of the songs that we had talked about before, um, you know, that have been released. Wait, Sam Smith released a new album in October or November? Yeah, it was... Um, God, call, oh my goodness. calling me out because we... I, don't, I don't know. I've been meaning wait, to talk about we... it for a minute. Oh, oh, wait, what? How, how did this come out? And then... It was on my, it was on my Spotify new releases... And so oh God, I, I'm so out of touch. I'd listen to it and I, I actually really enjoy it. Um, okay. yeah, it's called, it's called, uh, love goes, I believe. And yes, the it fir- it's, so it's divided into two sections. There's a, um, here, let me just pull it oh, up. Double so disc. Can... How very Christina Aguilera of him. So the first section has 11 songs and, it doesn't have any of the tracks that have been previously released. So Dancing with a Stranger, How Do You Sleep, To Die For, I'm Ready, which was the duet with Demi Lovato. Um, those are all those all make up the second album and those feel or the mm. second disc, and those feel pretty cohesive together. Um the first album the first disc, the first eleven tracks, they're cohesive, they're different than the other songs. Um I thought they're very, they're very kind of like mid-tempo dancey. Okay. Um, Cause he was going like, he was going in his, that direction after or they were going singles, in that direction. I, I'm sorry. Well, like when, how do you sleep? Didn't maybe perform the way that he wanted. And then everything got kind of uh, quelled by the pandemic. We were talking about him kind like of them. regrouping after that. Them, they, they re- they were going to regroup after that, right? Correct. And so this is kind of this is the, the regroup result of yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, you know I was like you know when we had talked about them before, I was I was like oh they're very mopey and I I hadn't, I hadn't really been into them. Um, and then those those subsequent tracks kind of really turned me on to to sort of just this new direction and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that the new tracks um, continue in that direction and I would recommend giving it a listen. I thought, you know, just from like a queer artist perspective, I thought um, it's a nice set of songs to add to the list of, you know, which there aren't very many mainstream Mm -hmm. pop songs from a queer perspective. That are good, you know. <laughs> that are fun, right? And I, I, I think, I think um, the songs here make good use of their voice, Sam Smith's voice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, eliminating some of the whininess that I've, I think I've, I've attributed to them in the past. Mm-hmm. More croony, uh huh. More croony, but okay. like the production, the production still works. I mean, it's not as avant-garde as like, you know, some 
it's not as like hard hitting or or like as necessarily on the ed, on the cutting edge. Yeah, as some I mean, other still artists. Move, uh, they've still got to move some product, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. So anyway. I thought it was a good pandemic right, I, album. I, I had no idea that happened. I don't know how people hear about new music these days, or if Sam Smith just get gets buried under the shinier newer things that like the young children are into these days <laughs> yeah because i don't you think know, the young children are into it I, i'm just my I, guess yeah. i don't th- i don't think so either it, it, they've moved on this feels like an album for people like me who are you know aging out of the pop demo uh ostensibly yeah. Sam smith at the grand old age of 28 i know i thought it was good though anyway anyway give it a listen good. yeah let's do it um let's take a break and when we'll be back, back with a, a, a new story. Today, I'm going to talk about Jasmine Sullivan and her third album, Reality Show, which was released in 2015. And so I don't know how many people know Jasmine Sullivan. I think... You may be familiar with um, some of her music. You may be familiar with her voice. Uh, she's been around since 2008. Um, she's ostensibly an R&B artist, but she's had some very big crossover hits. And she's one of my favorite artists. Her her debut album, Fearless, came out in 2008. And the most famous song off of that album is Bust Your Windows. And that's the song where she famously sings that she'll bust the windows out of your car. Um, Featured on Glee. Yes. And I think the Glee feature absolutely took it to a new height. You know, that was at the height mm-hmm. of Glee. Um, I think it was Glee's first season. Um, and I, I will also say that when that first album came out, in 2008 i feel like this album showed up all the time on itunes it was always like in that top Mm -hmm. bar and i don't know if that had to do with like i don't know how you get up there like i would assume that you have to be a heavily hyped or heavily backed i mean so it was through j records i think she'd had a lot of this is a clive davis is she a clive davis um well so, so here's the thing so she so so she's from philadelphia and she went to creative arts high school um or the philadelphia high school for the creative and performing arts and she was a music she was a vocal music major there she had before she graduated she had a record deal with jive records okay. and she had worked on a debut album for that but then before it was like right around the time she graduated J, J records and i believe or no, Jive Records folded. Like they clo- they folded it. And she got moved Wait. to RCA. Oh. So so that whole first effort sort of got lost. Oh. Yeah. I thought I thought Jive Records folded in 2011, but we just we like I just listened to the Britney Spears episode because uh-huh. I was editing uh-huh. it. And, and I think in that timeline. Oh, Jive, you know what? I think you know, um But it it was like somewhere between in that time that like the whole Sony music yes. brand was in the process of restructuring. Yeah. Like I think that I, f- I feel like the whole record industry spent the two thousands kind of trying to figure out what to do in the face of like record sale, physical record sales shrinking and like everyone trying to adapt to digital downloads. And so I'm sure it was all in the works throughout the two thousands. Yeah. Something was going to change. So, so the I, the decade. I know that all of the, that the labels changed. So she, so I don't, 
you know, I should I should take a step back. I don't I might be getting a little confused here. I don't know if it was if if her her record deal was scrapped because of the reorg, but she was dropped before her debut album came out. Um, she then recorded the demo for Say I, which you and I talked about last week. We talked about Christina Milian. Yeah. And so I did go back and I listened to that demo because I'd never heard mm-hmm. it. And he, I mean, Jasmine Sullivan. Really? I mean, no, here's the thing. I, I like it. I like it. But I also think that I don't know that it, I don't know that it would have been a success if she had done it. Like, I mean, she has, okay, yeah, to yeah, me, fair. I think she has a, not a better voice, it's a different voice, it's a more powerful voice, but I don't know that that song needed that. That song oh. that song might have worked better with Christina Milian, sort of, at least, at least in 2000, whatever year that was that came out, you know, where it was that sort of poppy R&B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, you know, it, it, ha- it worked for her better. I think Jasmine sang it better. I just don't know that it would have been successful in the same I way. felt like I don't know if it would have been successful because I don't think that that song was necessarily like of the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but as a song the way that it's produced the message of that song I feel like the husk to Jasmine yeah. Sullivan's voice reinforced the song it made the whole song make more sense uh-huh. than Christina Milian <laughs> her sweet voice yeah like you, you know you trying to about, trying to do this like rallying yeah. cry basically you know well you talked it, about her it, optimism more, like it comes yeah, through in more, that it's more aggressive and it feels more like grounded yeah. when Jasmine Sullivan yeah. does it yeah it, anyway but I think yeah and I but I think like that would have worked against her in terms of the reception of the song like where it would have been placed I don't think it would yeah, have yeah. right it would have people would have been like oh it's it's a sassy R&B song or something like that versus like a crossover hit um, but because of that demo on the strength of that demo she was offered a deal with J, J Records so okay. that was when she started working on the um, Fearless album. And that album did really well. Fearless did really well. It it was in the Billboard... It, it debuted um, in the Billboard Hot 100. It had four singles mm-hmm. that were in, on the Billboard Hot 100. So not just... You know, we've talked about some of these R&B stars or R&B singers with these big voices and having a lot of success on like the R&B charts but not necessarily crossing over to the to the pop the Hot 100 the the three um singles from this Bust Your Windows, Lions, Tigers and Bears and Dream Big all performed really well on the Billboard's Hot 100 um some of that was probably due to glee you know it just gave her a little more crossover appeal um mm-hmm. I also think it's and we'll talk about this a little bit down the road but um I also think her voice lends itself well to being heard in a pop sense, like being very R and B, but like it's it cuts in a way that makes it work for pop for for mm-hmm. pop audiences. I would say the album itself earned seven Grammy noms, including like best uh, album of the year, best new artist, all of these things. It, it, so it was it came out. She came out the gate swinging, basically, <laughs> but she didn't win any. She didn't win any mm-hmm. of them. She followed that up in 2010 with her second album, Love Me Back. Um, had one. Uh, single or sorry had two singles the first one was holding you down going in circles which um mm-hmm. megan the stallion just covered or she included a sample of it on her album that came out earlier 
That song itself earned another Grammy nom. Um, There was a second track on there called 10 Seconds, which is like a countdown song telling you you got 10 seconds to go. You know, kind of similar to the vein of Bust Your Windows. Mm -hmm. Also an excellent album. Just fully excellent. That's that's fully my favorite Jasmine Sullivan album. It is a excellent album i spent a lot of time this week just listening to it and i forgot about all the songs on it because i used to live in that album yeah because the thing for me about the fearless album Mm -hmm. i love the fearless album i love all those songs particularly with the choice of singles there was like lions and tigers and bears and bust your windows Mm -hmm. had a kind of uh I don't even know what vintage style yeah. that is or how to describe it. Well, but okay. it's got these like tr- trilling violins. I thought reverb. when Bust Your Windows came out, I kind of thought it was like a Lumity song. You know that, you know, <laughs> but you know, you know how we're talking about like, it's what's that song? Lumity song. I forget the name of it. Uh, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. That, that, that's, isn't it the uh-oh song? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of the same to me where I'm like, what era is this? Right? Like the production, yeah. it's like, it is retro. It's supposed to be retro, but it's, it's got like a syncopated, it's got a syncopated cello or something in here. It's definitely not <laughs> like, it's, I wouldn't say it's like any of the R&B that was happening at the time. And it wasn't like the pop R&B of the time either. Yeah. It was grittier. It was kind of crunchy. Like there was a low, yeah. fi- there was a lo-fi-ness to it. I think. There's um, a bond, there's almost like a bond themeness mm-hmm. to Bust yeah, Your Windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Mission Impossible and, theme song. If that yeah. was a genre. <laughs> and so like to me coming out of that first album, I didn't know if that was her thing, if that was going to be like a formula they were going to follow mm-hmm. because definitely not the whole album was really like that, mm-hmm. but it seemed like that was an angle they were trying to get at with those singles. And the second album had entirely different well, references. Well, and, and also with that first album, like the cover for the for Fearless, she's got like a hoodie on. It's like a, it's almost like mm-hmm. graffiti art or like a like a what do you call that? You're a graphic designer. What do you call that? Where it's like it's it's a posturization. Posturization. I mean, that's the that's the Photoshop. Um, where you kind of convert uh, it into an illustration almost. Yeah, you basically take all of the values and then you limit it down to a certain number and it groups similar values together and converts them to the same color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That would be your that would be your photos Photoshop uh, posterize adjustment layer. Okay. Cuz it's kind go of down like to your a- bottom go to go down to the bottom center of your layers panel. There's a little button that looks like a, a circle that's divided in half. You click on it. Go to posterize. Is that what it does? Then, okay. Yeah, it just limits yeah, it takes average values of closely related colors and just them so together. it's kind of almost like a like a comic or something like the way it's yes yes yeah um and so anyway. there's so on the cover she's got like a hoodie and she's got hair that kind of comes over her face she's she's looking at the at, at the audience three-quarter angle it's just one eye mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very Aaliyah very Aaliyah very guarded in a way right like it's a uh, um it's it's just tough it's kind of like tough yeah right and bust mm-hmm. your windows is definitely a tough song. She's talking about like this guy did her wrong and she literally went out and smashed his windows with a crowbar and then drove off into the dark. <laughs> and it's, it's very cathartic, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's rough. And she had the, the production sounds kind of not doesn't, doesn't sound rough in a way that it's like unrefined. It's just, there's a lot of grit there. I think there was a lot of emphasis on like, she is a emotional person. <laughs> 
<laughs> like a deeply yeah. emotional person. And there's a song on that album, um, I'm in love with another man, mm-hmm. which unlike the other singles is very stripped back. It's almost no, it's like very little reverb on her voice. It's just her voice, yeah. a piano and a bass, I believe like a bass line. And it's about basically telling the man that she's in a relationship with that she's sorry, but she's in love with someone else. And I think that song for me was sort of just like this eye opener to like, she's an amazing vocalist, but not only that, she can tell a story with a song in a way that I think a lot of her contemporaries sing songs, but don't take you on a journey. And Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't quite fully there yet in Fearless, but you could see that this was just from the way they put the tracks in there, that that was you know, her her potential. And then Love Me Back, which was the second album, your favorite, you see that more fully realized through more of yeah. the songs. And and she's she moves on from that James Bond theme production. And then she's taking influences that I think are more like 80s mm-hmm. inspired. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember the song that I really like from Love Me Back is a song called Don't Make Me Wait. Yeah. And that one definitely has like um, Prince vibes yes, to it. Yes, yes. That's the, is that the one that she says Vanity Six? It's like a Vanity Six song? Yeah, Turn On The Vanity Six song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I so I was listening to that and I was like, oh, I gotta bring that up with Barry because I know you love Vanity Six. I love Vanity Six. I love this Don't Make Me Wait song. It's funny because I'm not a huge fan of Prince and the Revolution. Mm-hmm. Same. I was more of like a new power generation guy, I think because of my age. But anything that's like referential to Prince and the Revolution... That very like I think Prince in the generation uh, Prince in the Revolution like their whole thing was like um, he didn't put any like bass lines mm. in a lot of those songs so it's all treble mm. and at the time that was like revolutionary <laughs> um, I, I I I love it now and um, you know speaking of Jasmine Sullivan embodying a song telling a story through mm-hmm. a song one thing that always struck me through the first two albums especially was she had these like extraordinarily like graphic, depressing, violent songs Mm. that like they're they're, on, on fearless. There's a song called call me guilty. I don't remember that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 It opens up with like a, a, a a frantic phone call to her mother saying like he was hitting her. So she had to kill him. Yeah. 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 And the whole song is about just like why she had to kill her boyfriend. Mm hmm very dark stuff. And then she follows that up. Like there's like a, almost like a continuation of that song. Um, in, was it love me back? No, where was, there was another song where it was like, Oh oh gosh, sorry. I'm like, I I remember the song where she's talking about like, she's, she, she does different verses from different perspectives of like the drug. Oh, oh, that's it. So that's in reality show. And I believe it's veins and it's about cause, cause it opens with a, a question. It's like, when did you realize your addiction was like, I think it's called veins. Oh, it's, it's uh, uh, no, the song I'm thinking of is on love me back. It's called redemption. Ah. And it's like, she's talking about, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it t- talks about, it's like, it's like waterfalls, TLC's waterfalls where it's like three different stories, tragic stories. Um, yeah. And yeah. it, it's all like people that are like killing people and it's, it's so dark and it's such a, they, all those songs are such outliers to me in that yeah. they're so, a lot of her songs seem very, 
personal, very like autobiographical, personal or are things that I could believe that she is experiencing mm-hmm. actually. But then he, she has these songs about like killing perpetrators of domestic violence or well, drug dealers yeah. killing their like girlfriends and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, where does this come? Well, so what's interesting. So, so love me back came out in 2010 as you mentioned, there's there's some really good songs on it. It takes the first, you know, the, the the sound of the first album really kind of takes it to the next level, and you can just groove to that album. But there are those random, those those like weird standouts of darkness. Well, in 2011, she tweeted just kind of suddenly out of the blue that she was leaving the record industry and she was going to focus on some stuff that she was going through. And mm-hmm. this was a complete surprise to everyone. I remember when. People were like, what? She's leaving. Um, her mom was her manager and her mom didn't know, like her mom found out about it on like Twitter or Instagram. Yeah. Cause I remember this happened pretty early on in mm-hmm. the like album promotion cycle yeah. for that album. Yeah. Like she was two, like basically two singles in and then it, it just happened. And I remember being like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So she, so in 2014, there was an interview as she was preparing to release her um, 2015, her third album. She talked about how she's kind of laughing about it. Cause I guess she, she, by that point she'd already kind of dealt with it. The, the interviewer was like reading back her, her tweet and she's like, God, it was so dramatic. But basically what she said was she had been in a abusive, emotionally and physically abusive relationship and she hadn't told anyone. It was a person that she lived with. It was a three-year relationship. And so those three years encompassed the first two albums. Mm-hmm. She she talks about how she sort of just internalized all of that and didn't let anyone know that that was what she was dealing with. It did come out in her music, but it kind of reached a breaking point in that 2011 time. So right, you know, right when, and that, that culminated in her, she left that person, but was just like, needed a break. Mm-hmm. And um, she talks about how like, she hadn't learned how to talk about it. And she, you know, it wasn't that like, no one in her life was helping her with it. She didn't let anybody know that it was happening. And so she kind of took the next few years you know, it's it's there's not like a, a whole lot of information other than like interviews that she's given where she talks about she just like kind of took the next several years to reset because yeah. that album came out in 2010, um, was promoted through 2011. Then she left the industry or took a hiatus. Her next album didn't come out until 2015. You know, so this is a five year period after having two albums, which did really well, like you know, well, they were very critically acclaimed. And they, they, critically they were acclaimed. critically acclaimed. They, you know, people bought them, but like she got another, she got another Grammy nomination, making it her eighth for holding you down. Um, I feel like most people though, don't necessarily know who Jasmine yeah, Sullivan is. And I is. think that you might the know thing. the Bust Your Windows song. Mm-hmm. You might not know who that is. Or, or, you know, what, what, what it, what she has is like this very, core group of really passionate fans mm-hmm. even within r&b like right like even within r&b she's like well known but she's not like the icon <laughs> or like you know considering like the number of accolades that she received and the you know yeah. just how influential i think her songs have been um well also like i mean i think that because she she is heavily recognized mm-hmm. There, what you sent? Did you send me the Twelve Days of Christmas thing where that guy was like imitating all of yes, the yes, yes, divas? Yes. And Jasmine Sullivan is 
in the mix yeah. with like Patti LaBelle and um, Faith Evans. Yeah. And uh, Beyonce. Oh, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Beyonce was in there. So she's definitely in the mix and she's someone that. Let us see. Oh yeah, that was lettuce. I was like, I know that face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that face in the curls. <laughs> yeah. But you know, she's in the mix mm-hmm. with these very highly regarded vocalists. She just doesn't get the um, shine. She doesn't get the shine. And I mean, she did have a period with like no output. With no output. And, you know, she talks about so so she talks about so not only did she take a hiatus because, you know, the relationship took its toll and she needed to kind of like, you know, work her way through it. She's also a perfectionist. And so there was um there was a note, you know, in one of the one of the one of the interviews, one of the articles about how she had gone through, she kept rewriting and re-recording songs that were going to appear on the third album that the producers okay. basically staged an intervention so that the album <laughs> could be released. Because they were like, it it you just need to it needs to be put out. And she talks about that sort of like perfectionism and just that's kind of something I don't want to say that she struggles with, but it's, you know, it's, you know, how, you know, sometimes, you know, perfect can be the enemy of the good and just, she just didn't, nothing was coming out. So, yeah. um, I mean, in excess, anything can be toxic. mm -hmm. And I think perfectionism is no exception. And there was a very different sort of push with reality show. So when reality show comes out in 2015, one of the first ways that, so the reason I knew it was different was um, I remember when this happened. So NPR had this like video series called like field recordings mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. did a field recordings with Jasmine Sullivan in New Orleans. Um, she walks into a barbershop and she does her first single stupid girls in that barbershop, like live, just acoustic with a guitar. And I remember just being like, damn, like, this is so good. Like, the, like her voice is still so good, right? Like, her, yeah, she has this voice, this tone, this, like, buttery, husky tone. She's, like, queen of the riffs. She can do these riffs that, like, I don't even know how she visualizes this is what she's going to do, you know? But there's so much mm-hmm. control and so much emotion and so much feeling in even the most, even the smallest lines. And it doesn't matter whether she's on stage or if she's, like, in this barbershop singing into, like, a radio mic. It, her talent and, like, it just comes through. And I just thought it was interesting because, you know, the first two albums are pretty... There they're, they're were some pop crossover, but they were pretty solidly R&B-focused. Mm-hmm. You know? And I thought it was interesting at the time, 2015, where she was being pushed to an NPR audience. Um, I thought that was yeah. a very strategic move. Um, also in promotion of this album, there are a few other songs on it. Mascara, which I love. Um, and the song Masterpiece. Uh, and Forever Don't Last. These songs... Those are, I mean, it's so funny that your your picks from albums are generally, like, not my picks. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> These songs are, you know, to me, they're... Uh, a, they're, they're really good, and I'll talk about them in a second, but she did a lot of video promo for this by just singing, like, she did, there was, like, a Mademoiselle or, like, Cosmopolitan magazine did a video series where she just, she did, she just walks to the front, and it's, like, all the editors are sitting at, like, a conference room, and she's just, like, at the front of the room, and she sings, like, three or four songs off the album, right? Like... Mm-hmm. They're not what I would call pop crossover album songs, but they're yeah. 
but they're they're still very soulful in the way that she does. But like I feel like there's an appeal like to pop audiences and people who don't maybe necessarily always listen to R&B. And her voice is just undeniable. There's a song on the album called um, Let It Burn, which I love. Now, do you like Let It Burn? It's it's the it's one that's fine. like the... <laughs> oh my God. I mean, Get out of here, Barry. Me, uh, okay, I, the <laughs> reality show, reality show, not my favorite Jasmine Sullivan album. I mm-hmm. think because it doesn't have... It doesn't have the pop leaning tracks like this album to me leaned very much more into R&B soul Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more so than she had been doing in the past. Mm -hmm. Like stupid girl is really the only track on this album that I feel relates back to the almost talked about stupid girl more. Cause I mean that to me, I I think off of that uh, performance in the barber shop that got me hooked on that song. I actually like, the album version of stupid girl less mm-hmm. than the live acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song is the only song that I can relate back to kind of the meat of her previous discography. Mm-hmm. And this album, I feel like, you know, it, 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 and in a perfectly fine way, she's moving further away from a pop audience. So like yeah, I, only, yeah. I think the only two like poppy songs to me mm-hmm on this album like the only two songs that i could hear i could imagine being serviced to pop radio are like dumb mm-hmm. which i think what wasn't that one of the singles yeah it was one of the singles it was the second single and then With um Nick and then stupid girl mm-hmm. you look so upset <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm very quickly trying to refresh my memory on on this album like yeah because so because I, I i think this is fully the album of hers that i listened to the least mm-hmm. i remember um, I think in the blogosphere of like R and B soul music, I remember like yeah, like people were like losing their minds over the songs that you have lost your mind about, like <laughs> "Forever Don't Last" and "Masterpiece." Like I remember those two. I think those two were kind of um, released maybe as promo singles, or people got a hold of them ahead of the album release. Well, she, like I remember hearing yeah. those songs. Yeah. And I remember people going really wild about them because they do showcase her voice, Mm -hmm. I think, in the best possible way. They do. And I think they show not just her voice, but more kind of like the way she approaches the music. Right. Like um, Mm -hmm. master. So so Adam, Chris and I went to see her during this during this tour at I think she played at the Roxy in Hollywood in 2015. And so it was, you know, we went to see her and. I mean, just vocally live, she's amazing. But she talked about masterpiece, and masterpiece is is a is a ballad, uh, or yeah, mid tempo ballad, I guess you should say. Um, it's very classic in like, in uh, it. It's a very how do I say? I don't know how do you like say? if you like if you like <laughs> like a like a Patty Labelle. Patty Austin, if you like, like a like that kind of like eighties R and B pop power ballad. I feel like Masterpiece is very in that vein. Mm-hmm. But she talks about you know because again, this is coming after this is coming after uh, you know her hiatus after that horrible relationship. She wrote it out of this, and it's about like realizing your self worth and you know not letting other people kind of you know, look down on you for like, like learning to love yourself, learning to think yourself that you're beautiful, learning to think that you're like, 
you know, you're valuable, you have value. And she talked about how important that song was to her at this show. And she did this song. And, you know, and I know you've seen, like, live videos of her, like, the amount of emotion she can put into a song. And she, like, is basically, she was, like, crying as she was singing this song. Um, And so it moved so many people in the audience to, like, tears, too. And she talked about it because this was, like, her catharsis moment as she kind of, like, described it. And... I think that's probably why I have a deeper connection to that song. That's why probably why, like, you know, we've talked about this with Rabel. We talk about this with live performance in general, that like, if you get a chance to see one of your, one of these artists live, it can really forge a deeper connection than you might have had with material that otherwise you might've just been like, ah, it's fine. You know, seeing them do it live can always, or or when it's done well and the best kind Mm -hmm. of live performances will really um, charge it for you. And so, you know that to me is sort of this album i thought i thought it was a very good sort of r&b soul album that wasn't i i hate to say it but like some of them are some of the new r&b soul albums are they're just not they're boring <laughs> So one one thing that I want to say, and I don't know if this is controversial. I don't think it's controversial, but maybe it is. I think if there's anyone who's supposed to be the modern equivalent or the person who's going to carry the torch from Aretha Franklin, it should be Jasmine Sullivan and not Jennifer Hudson. Because I feel like the music world, the, the entertainment world has basically said, Jennifer Hudson, she's going to play Aretha. She's going to be the star at like her her tributes she's the most i think it's like what some people think of as aretha attributes Mm -hmm. like with that powerful voice the kind of almost the shouting but for me i was watching uh bet one of their award shows and i'll post the link um when we talk about this but jasmine last year did a participated in one of the Aretha tributes after she had passed. And she comes out singing, I've never loved a man the way that I love you. And the thing to Mm -hmm. me about Jasmine Sullivan is the way her voice cuts. She's obviously a soul singer. She obviously has gospel influences, but the way she utilizes it for her music and the way it influences it is is more in the way Aretha did. It, there's a there's a crossover appeal to the way she sings that. I, I don't think that Jennifer Hudson has the kind that kind of range when you hear her singing a song. Like to me, she's always just kind of at an eleven. And to me, Jennifer Hudson is always out of control. Yeah, and I always feel like she's gonna like beat you over the head with her voice. And she's I never not, know. Yeah. I never know if Jennifer Hudson has complete control over what she's doing in the moment and if everything she's doing is by intention. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it it could be. It could very well be. I just never get that sensation from hearing it that it is completely not going to start fishtailing and then (laughs) fall off the side of Mulholland (laughs) Drive, you know? like. (laughs) I mean, whereas with Jasmine Sullivan, it's so deliberate what she does Mm -hmm. in every moment. Mm -hmm. And it's so precise and so... It's almost scarily precise mm-hmm. when you hear her doing like her melismas and her runs. Mm-hmm. That yeah. 
and it's also very odd her her runs are so odd sounding but also very controlled and and intentional sounding Mm -hmm. that yeah i mean i don't know that the the narrative of jennifer hudson inheriting some kind of throne from aretha franklin necessarily has anything to do with her voice or her abilities um i think it's maybe more i think it's lazy i think but i also think it's about the story of jennifer hudson yes but i don't think think that that jasmine sullivan has the same story yet maybe she will as aretha franklin i don't think that jasmine sullivan has yet reached that moment where Mm -hmm society at large is perhaps recognizing her as a singular talent in the way that I think Aretha eventually mm-hmm. she had her breakthrough. Kinda... She had her breakthrough. Yeah. And I don't think Jasmine mm-hmm. Sullivan has achieved that. I think my really. question and my question is why? Like she's had 11 Grammy noms at this point. Like she had, when she came out of the gate, like she had this big crossover appeal. I mean, not, not why. I mean, I know, there's obviously there was the hiatus, which like killed a lot of momentum. And then I think to your point, when reality show came out, it's not the pop crossover sort of, it doesn't have those necessarily the same pop crossover things, you know, (coughs) I would also say that like, I can never listen to Jennifer Hudson's albums. (laughs) They are so bad. And, and I think it's like one of those things where, Yes, when she goes on the Kennedy Center Honors and they're honoring Oprah and she does I'm Here from The Color Purple. Sure. Amazing. Not taking anything away from her. But when you try and listen to like Spotlight or something off of her first album or second album and even even the one the song that she did on The Voice, Lay, Lay Me Down or something like that. It's They're just... <laughs> I don't know. It's, just, <laughs> it's like... It's not good R&B. Like her regular output to me is not good R and B, and I would say that well, like even I think that they're a lot trying these... with her. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I wonder if there's more of an attempt with Jennifer Hudson to mainstream her, to intentionally not make her music R and B music. That's what I felt anyway. Like you know, yeah, you get the feeling like. Oh, they want everything to be danceable or something. You know, they want the gays to get into it and they want, you know. Well, that's what I think is interesting, right? Because it's like, you know, we talked about like, like Patti LaBelle. When you listen to Patti LaBelle, her albums, like very rarely outside of some of those songs in the 80s, are they able through whatever production techniques they're using to really capture her voice well? And we talked about how, you know, it was very hard for her to find material that like worked with her voice. I think you see the same with Jennifer Hudson. You don't have that yeah. problem with Jasmine Sullivan, right? Like her material work, whether, whether or not it's like pop or R and B, like whatever she's singing, it never, you never have the problem with like her voice, not sounding like it fits or that it doesn't sound good. Like it's, you know, it's in, I just, yeah, I just wish I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's probably because you I just want her to have her moment in the sun. I do, I do, and I think it's coming. <laughs> I think it's coming. <laughs> I think it's coming because she released Lost because... Ones. She released Lost mm-hmm. One, uh, her single um, in the summer, her first single no. in 
Wasn't that in like, wasn't that just like, I, like July I mean, or I've August. lost all sense of time. I've lost all sense of time, but wasn't that, that wasn't like October. Oh. <laughs> Was it, are you serious? Like, I feel like that happened so recently. Are you telling me like three months has passed since? Um, it says August 28th, 2020. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> fully i thought that was like i thought she released that like a month ago no <laughs> okay so she released that song which is you know and she she talks about it on her instagram she's like i know this isn't like normal like single material but you know coming off off the summer of you know black lives matter protests and just you know sort of a focus on racial inequality and and all these things she's like it, she's like the rest of the album isn't necessarily like this but I didn't think anything else was appropriate to release in this moment, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful song. I think uh, we'll talk about this later. I think it was one of your top songs, but mostly because you might've left it on overnight. I accidentally must've left it (laughs) on repeat one overnight because yeah, it did come up very high in my Spotify top, my 2020 wrapped Spotify thing. Um, Cause yeah, that song, I mean, I appreciate, and that's a song that like i appreciate her voice i appreciate um like the creative thought process behind releasing that song at a particular point in time Mm -hmm. you know regardless of whether or not it's a good uh, a quote single good single like a lead single yeah yeah so i appreciate all of that that said i I don't really think of listening to that song mm. very often. You know? uh, yeah. And I think, again, this goes back to our, just our differences in taste, right? Like I like not taste, but like what our preferences are. Like mm-hmm. I could live in that kind of R and B space sometimes forever. Right. Like I don't need it to be yeah. anything else. And I'm just like, I, I, we turn it up. Adam loves that song too. We turn it up and just listening to just her, her beautiful, beautiful voice, <laughs> just singing over it. Like I, you know, there's something about Jasmine's voice to me that like you could could never sing it, but like mm-hmm. it she makes it sound so effortless and it makes me want to. Like it makes me just want to like do that. It makes me want to sing along with it just because it sounds so fun to be able <laughs> to just do that. And um, you know, she had a new single that came out last week, Pick Up Your Feelings. Mm-hmm. Which I, I do like that song. Do you like that song? I do like this song. So, yeah. I mean, how do you feel that this song, Pick Up Your Feelings, compares to Lost One? I, I mean... In your hierarchy. I mean, I, I... I mean, it's not... I don't necessarily like one more than the other, but I... I've been kind of marinating and Pick Up Your Feelings. And then, again, she performed on the Soul Train Awards um, mm-hmm. last week, and... She did this song, and you can tell she just loves singing the hell out of it. It's a very, you know, you know, we've gone from, you know, 2008 when she's like a scorned woman and she's like beating, she's busting the guy's windows, right? Mm-hmm. To now, 12 years later, she's like, nah, get out of here, but don't f- pick up your feelings. Like, pick <laughs> up your feelings and go. Like, I, I feel like, you know, in terms of, you know, taking us on a journey, she really has. <laughs> You know, she's worked out a lot of, of like, some things. I really like the song. I think it's fun in a way that, like, I don't think Lost Ones is, Lost One is fun. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it has a, I think it's, it's poignant. Um, and I think this one is, or Pick Up Your Feelings is just very, 
again, it's like that she's really good at sort of catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we you know we all have those moments where you 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 kind of replay an argument that you had with someone, and you replay it in your mind, and you think of all the things that you would have said and how you would have said them, you know, just all the time. And and arguments I, from fully thirty years ago when I was like ten. <laughs> And I think, I think she, she has a knack for putting that into a song. Like, because it's like, you listen to it and it's, not only can she sing like, like amazingly and just put this attitude, like she can imbue every line with attitude in a way that I I think very few other singers can, mm-hmm. right? Can sing with that amount of attitude or emotion. Um, did she write the, did she write these songs? I'm not sure about these okay. specifically. I mean, I, I would assume so. Cause she writes a lot of her songs. Cause there is, I, I think the, the magic formula for Jasmine Sullivan, when you talk about, you know, how she's able to express herself is I think similar to how we were talking about Sia and how Sia lays down lyrics and, you know, she'll extend certain words or she'll, mm-hmm she'll distribute syllables across in a weird way, in a really weird way. Jasmine does that in almost like she almost has like a rap, like flow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the way that she'll sometimes carry a word over a break. Yeah. And then continue the word in the next measure. It's, it's, it's the thing that makes her music. I think to me so fascinating, so catchy, but also very, very hard to sing along with. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And but but the fact that she can like still like sing and do riffs while doing that is it's just I I just find it so refreshing. I really miss you know the fact that she's had so many hiatuses <laughs> at this point, like five year hiatuses. Um, you know, there's really no one that that does what she does like you know in the main or or at least that i found right like that's mm-hmm. easily consumable easily findable um i love like kelani um but she's different she has an amazing voice too but her 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 music is different um her um i love her uh again also different right like mm-hmm. they just they're just very different and i i miss i feel like we need her voice in this space <laughs> because i want I want R and B that I can, that like I don't think is lazy, <laughs> right? I like I like stuff that's like pushing the bounds of like what this genre is, and like we talked about it with Mary J. Blige, where like sometimes I'm like, I think so much so many of her songs they just don't sound they sound like discordant they're like out of time. You're like, where did this song come from? Like you released it last year, it sounds like 2003 maybe or I don't know. It's like weird. <laughs> it's just weird, and I think that Jasmine has this weird way of. You know, like you were saying, maybe not poppy, right? Maybe not like on trend in terms of pop, but it also transcends sort of just milk toast R and B production, where yeah. you know there are a lot of R and B singers who who butter their bread with, you know, make their bread and butter with with all of these runs like Lettucey, but like none of the songs to me are memorable, and they're not ones that I would expect you i would never show to you because <laughs> like that's very me niche. to come with you to the lettucey concert no no i don't even want to go to a lettucey concert because like oh. i feel well no i think that there are some people there's some people who make a career out of tribute performances on award shows uh, uh okay. again 
I'm not trying to come for anybody because like I love them all, but like yeah, it's this is this is, this it, they this is your bread and butter. That's why I'm leaning on you for all of this information. You know, like because I mean, yeah. I very rarely delve into like what 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 genre is Lettucey technically. She's R and B soul. R and B soul. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like, yeah. I, it, like in the, you know, I feel like it's also gradiented between all of the different genres of like you get to pop, you get mm-hmm. pop R and B, R and B soul. Yeah, soul and there's like alternative. You know, there's like alternative R and B. Like you yeah, know, yeah. Because I feel like you know there was a moment when a lot of like R and B soul singers were trying to go a little bit more pop, and I would hear certain vocalists out there i remember like chrisette michelle uh-huh. for a long time had been making more more poppy albums than she makes later on um i mean does like does amel larue like does she fall into i think she's more she was more like neo soul i think like again it's it's like all what genre, genre names well if it's like what genre versus like what awards category would they perform in i think yeah. you know but I think that that's great. I mean, like, if there are this many kinds of pop, for a long time, there hadn't been this many recognized kinds of R&B. It was just, like, yeah. black music. And people were like, you got stuffed into this category, and the sort of differences between artists were sort of melted down, and and they were forced to maybe artificially compete with each other in these categories that maybe they didn't really didn't fit into, right? Um mm-hmm. And so I think it it does make it maybe a little more confusing and maybe less easy to categorize people. Like like we talked about Lettucey, I think she would be like in traditional R and B soul, right? That would be the tradition. It's I would even say that Jennifer Hudson typically is that. Huh. Okay. Because it's not it's not like Chloe and Holly like or Kelani, which you know, or even like LMI. Like what would or, you categorize? What would you categorize Kelani as? alternative r&b okay right because it it tends to be more there tends to be more of like a electronic sort of sensibility to it i I also think it's very like it's very like the the r&b artists you could see at your uh outdoor summer music festival yes there's there's like flowy dress and flower garland in your hair it typically has a little more of like electro hip-hop influences to me mm-hmm. right then like r- traditional r&b would have more of a soul influence maybe more blues influence yeah i think it's just you know it's 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 i think alternative r&b is sort of the neo soul of the 2010s right neo soul okay. meaning like you know jill scott erica badu um Badula Oblongata. <laughs> yeah, they came, I mean, they came out in the early, late 90s, early 2000s and sort of charted their own path around R&B. Like Mary J. Blige is not a neo-soul singer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had kind of their own lane. And then that was sort of the diff, that was maybe the one recognized branch, sort of the more, I don't even want to, it was almost more mainstream, right? It became more, popularized 
uh, at the time because like, like the Jill, co- like the Jill, Jill Scott because it was like the coffee shop culture the coffee shop version of like soul music if that makes sense I, I don't mean that in a reductive way but just like that was sort of the culture at the time right like we were talking about yeah because um, what's the Grammy category is that considered like traditional no, it's still be R&B that's what I'm saying like where it's oh. it's like it was just because aren't there, R&B. Isn't now there, like there a traditional is. isn't there like a traditional soul and R&B category tra- that, like, yeah there's a traditional and there's like a um contemporary I think Okay. And, you know, but then you'd have like a Jill Scott going up against a Mary J. Blige and it's, yeah, they're not the same really. Right. Like, yeah, they're the people who, who like, if I were a Grammy voter and I had to look at that choice, you'd be like, well, I mean, well, Grammys are, uh, what they're notoriously out of touch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I did notice this year there is an alternative R and B category because I was looking through all the different categories. Like they they have expanded it quite a bit. Um, I think that was part of their push for diversity. Yeah. To keep you know. I mean, the weekend was pissed. I know. Yeah. I mean, they they still don't get it. They still don't get it right necessarily. But when you have that many artists, I guess there's always going to be someone. But that that was a huge. Not that I, I mean, I, I'm neither here nor there about the weekend. But I like that. I don't album. know if he deserved anything. I thought it was pretty good, but you know, anyway, Not on my radar. Anyway, I just you know, <laughs> I I I I truly enjoy her. Um, I I I'm well. Where I was going with it was, pick up your feelings. Came out last week, and the video that she released like an acoustic version of the video. Or she she's again she loves doing these acoustic sets, and so she's she like doing like a plant mom fantasy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Already she's like, like in an apartment full of uh, <laughs> full of plants. Well, I see a lot of people performing in this place. I don't know where it is because I've seen hmm. other artists. Unless it's just everyone's copying that um, aesthetic, but like I'm pretty sure that's like a specific recording space that that people have been using during quarantine because I've oh. noticed it a lot. It has. I think the song came out. I mean, yeah, it came out last week. I'm not sure what when, but it, the the video. By the time this posts, it will have been out for five weeks. <laughs> but yes, the video. As of time the video. I guess I, what I was gonna say was the video had like 1.9 million views already. I feel like in a way that, considering that she's been silent for a long time, there's a hunger for for new material from her, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was from her her set and her announcement of her new album, which is coming out next year. Um, called Hotels, um, <laughs> H-E-A or H-E-U-X, like ho, mm-hmm. basically trying to reclaim the word ho, saying that every, okay. all, men, men, like all kinds of women have called hoes as a derogatory term and just like taking yeah. it back. Um, make it classy. Yeah. And just owning it. Just be like, no, you can't, you can't stop shaming us for our lives. <laughs> but I think that, you know, there's, there's already some momentum. And maybe some excitement. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to the. I'm looking forward to the new album. If it's yeah. you know, especially with these first two um, singles, I think it it sounds promising. And I wish I wish we could uh, do more live performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I I think it's interesting that when this album, when this next album comes out, she will have effectively taken a longer hiatus than when she officially took an hi- a hiatus in 2010. 2011. Yeah. 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 It's been I mean, I guess a she's, while. She's been doing singles well, and features here and there, right? She, yeah. she was on the Insecure soundtrack and yeah, that's correct. doing stuff here and there. She did like, Insecure. I, I guess you would see her around, but I think that, I guess when she took a hiatus in 2011, like it was like 
social media blackout for yeah. her for a while, I think, as I recall. And last year, so last year I mentioned that her mom, her mom is, a man, is her manager. Her oh, mom, managers. yeah, her mom got cancer last year, oh. inflammatory breast cancer. And so that also just kind of squashed a lot, you know, in, you know, in terms of whatever she was working on. Um, I know she like, she buzzed her head in solidarity with her mom going through chemo. Cause she was really quiet on, on, um, on social for a minute. But, um, I know, I know there's, there's just been things going on, you know, but yeah, no, she, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, you know, if I, if I sent you all of the links to all of the live performances of her, we would, I mean, there would be too many. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know that I that I love. We would be here watching YouTube videos until Jasmine Sullivan's next album comes out. <laughs> she does these excellent live covers of things. She did a cover of Bonnie Raitt's "I Can't Make You Love Me," which is beautiful. She does a cover of Kelani's "Gangsta," which was on the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Um, she does a live cover of that. There's a there's a video. It's a famous video, and if you're a fan, you probably have already seen this. But you have if you're not a fan. Um, of when she was 11 years old performing the song Home from her school production of The Wiz. Oh, and it's precious. super cute. She's like in a gingham dress because she played Dorothy. And she's got little glasses. And her voice, even at 11 years old, is amazing. And then I'll post a link to the to the Aretha tribute because I hadn't seen it until this morning, actually. Um, yeah. As I was thinking about her and and Aretha, and I think I it, just because maybe not necessarily the story, but just their ability to tell a story, the amount of control that I think they both have in their voice and the way they're able to deploy emotion, which I think a lot of times, I think my point earlier with Jennifer Hudson was a lot of people associate, I would say, maybe less informed audiences associate <laughs> shade associate. <laughs> volume with Mm -hmm. Aretha and that's why Jennifer Hudson gets the shine on that because I think we talked about she kind of bludgeons you sometimes with her voice and it's not just that like Aretha shouted it was deployed very like she was able to really tell a story and and she shouted when she needed to and it was never Mm -hmm. just shouting you know it was very controlled until the maybe the later years less so but I, I also think that the the mainstream popular, most popular Aretha songs are the particularly screamy ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but I think, think but again, respect. I, but like, again, I think that people think that it's screaming. But if you listen to it, like she enunciates, think she's not like that. <laughs> you know, like she's not just like shouting it out and like looking angry at you all the time. Like from glowering at you from across the stage, she was sassy in the Blues Brother. Like there's a there's a certain like joy that she has, I think sometimes that Aretha that sometimes in her voice it comes through, and I don't always get that from Jennifer Hudson singing an Aretha song. Yeah, I don't get I the sense I just, of joy. I just think if I think of some like uh, you know below the fold kind of Aretha songs, mm-hmm. you get more of a sense of her range uh-huh. than you do from like the big hits. Yes, I agree. And I feel like, cause I think me, that's, you that's think, Jennifer, I, you know, off, that's a Jasmine Sullivan trait as well. Like off the top of my head. Like I think when I think of what Aretha Franklin's voice is like, I just think of respect, mm-hmm. right? Like I just think of almost just that one part of respect that everyone sings all the time, you know? 
And then I have to think real hard to be like, oh, like, you know, what's Chain of Fools sound like? What about, or <laughs> yeah. even just like Ain't ain't No Way, right? Which we've talked yeah. about, which yeah. I love. And there's, there is a quietness that she's able to pull back to, that she can start from. And it's just like heartbreak, which I think is something that Jasmine can just like really enunciate. She can really articulate heartbreak and vindication, like, you know, very well. And I, you know, that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from with that. But okay. That's all I have on Jasmine Sullivan. Excellent. Perfect. Great. Love it. I do that too much. I I sound dismissive. I'm not trying to be dismissive. (laughs) You're just trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, be effusive with my praise because you're so well organized when maybe, maybe, maybe your brain just needs more oxygen. (laughs) Yeah. My brain always needs more oxygen. <laughs> um, what are we doing? I was going to say something. I don't think I need to say it anymore. <laughs> okay. So I can just go into giving... No, is it me? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's me. It is you. You know what? If you're like me and your brain needs more oxygen, um, then you should give special thanks to Adam Elder. <laughs> Give him his flowers. Give him his flowers. Give him his flowers and give me some oxygen. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, floppredeemer.com, even though I haven't done it for this week. Shh, don't tell. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social media at floppredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash floppredeemer. As always, email us at floppredeemer at gmail.com dot com